Oh my gosh. And they got it. And they got it in this fashion. This win was everything 2020 needed and more. They have clinched. We have big things coming in 2021. My name's Maddie. My name's Charlotte Payne. This is Locker Room Ladies. Go Canes. It was so hard to choose just one this week, so we're going to talk about six incredible women who made history during NFL Wildcard Weekend. Wildcard Weekend is officially over and the divisional rounds are on the horizon. We're going to review and preview it all for you today. And Alabama steamrolls over Ohio State to win their 18th national championship title. Plus, Aaron Rodgers donates big money and he's doing big things on and off the field. Welcome back to Locker Room Ladies. Today is Thursday, January 14th, and on this day in sports history, in 1968, the Green Bay Packers defeated the Oakland Raiders in the Super Bowl. And Joe DiMaggio married Marilyn Monroe in 1954, a little off-season wedding moment. And it is my friend Steve's 23rd birthday. He was born today, so happy birthday, shout out. Happy birthday, Steve. All right, let's let's highlight these amazing women. Six of the league's eight female coaches were on the sidelines this weekend, making it the first time in NFL history that opposing playoff teams had female leadership on those sidelines. Okay, first of all, eight is not enough because there's 32 teams in the NFL, so there definitely needs to be more women on the sidelines. But that's amazing. Six out of eight were in the playoffs. That's incredible. It's crazy. Let's talk first quickly about Jennifer King. She is the full-year coaching intern for the Washington football team. She is the first full-time black female coach to be hired as an intern for the Washington football team. And, I mean, they lost this weekend, but she's a pretty, pretty awesome chick. And not to mention, that was the Washington football team, but right across the field on Tampa's sideline, we have the assistant defensive line coach, Lori Locust. She became one of the first full-time female coaches in Buccaneers history in 2019. So these two women were facing off and both on the field, which is super cool. That's incredible. Like, like you were saying before, it's taken how long for this to happen? It's 2021. Come on. And in 2019, they became the first NFL team to hire two coaches who are female. Morel Javadifar is the assistant strength and conditioning coach for the Bucks, a former athlete herself, a licensed physical therapist, and Bruce Arians spoke very highly of these two women when when he was hiring them and their ability to coach at the NFL level, which is super, super neat. Gotta love Bruce. He's an icon, honestly. I'm so proud of both of those women for going out there and doing what they do best and making it to that level. That's absolutely incredible for anyone to do it, but it's just awesome to see some female representation in a male-dominated sport. Christy Bartlett is the next on our list. She's the strength and conditioning coach for the Titans, joined in 2020. Then we have Chelsea Romero. She's the strength and conditioning coach for the LA Rams, and she made history as the first female strength and conditioning coach for the Rams. Hopefully someday we're not going to have to say made history after all of these women because it's amazing that they are making history, but it should just be commonplace. It really should. I agree with you there. Our next woman... And the one that let's let's hi, let's talk a little bit about her, Callie Brownson, chief of staff for the Browns. Ooh, okay. She was hired in 2020 under Kevin Stefanski. This is the first time in NFL history that a woman has held this position. 
Woo! Yes! Yes, Callie, let's go. She has crashed through the NFL's glass ceiling more than once. Yes, she filled in as assistant coach this weekend against the Steelers when receivers coach Chad O'Shea was out with COVID. It's the second time this season that she's filled in at that position. Stefanski said the Browns aren't going to miss a beat with her taking over, and he was right. She also became the first woman earlier this season to serve as positions coach in a regular season NFL game when the tight end coach Drew Petzing was out for the birth of his first child. Congrats to Drew. But that's so awesome that she was already able to fill in before this big playoff game that, of course, the Browns did pull through with the win. Yeah, she also, like, it doesn't stop there. Like, her lineage just goes back so far. She was the first woman hired as a full-time NCAA Division I head coach at Dartmouth College. And before that, she played football in high school. They wouldn't let her play on her high school team, so she went out and found a different league. She never let anything stop her. She just kept going, and look at her now. She's on the sidelines as a chief of staff in a playoff game for the NFL. That's amazing. And this is what I love so much about highlighting these women on this podcast is remember this name, Callie Brownson. This should be a name that we all know because it's so amazing. She has broken through so many stereotypes and she's overcome so many obstacles, I'm sure, in her life to get to where she is, but she did not let them stop her. And now she is making a huge impact. This is the Browns' first playoff win since the 90s. That's absolutely crazy that she got to be a part of it. It's amazing and just kudos to her and the whole Brown squad. As chief of staff, no less. You love to see it. Love to see it. All right, All right. Speaking of the games this weekend, let's get right into it. Let's do it in order because we had a packed weekend of wildcard playoff football. Oh, wow. Yeah. Super wild card weekend. It started off with the Bills and the Colts. We all kind of knew how this was going to go. I don't know. The Colts came into this pretty electric. I was watching it and I was thinking, okay, wow, the Colts are going to upset the Bills here. This is a plot twist. But, you know, they couldn't hold on and, and that's where it ended. There were some questionable calls towards the end of this game, though. I will say I was sitting there as – a viewer just watching it to see what happened. And I did notice two calls that I, I, I really was wondering about okay. two in a row almost the Colts looked really good throughout this game. Their running game was incredible. They, they came out strong for a playoff game as teams should, but the bills did outscore that. So we go into the fourth quarter. They're driving down the field. Zach Pascal loses the ball. It looked like a fumble. But the officials said, no, he was down by contact. And then the Bills pulled a timeout, and, and they did review the call. It was inside two minutes, and, and they decided again, yes, he, he was down by contact. It was not a fumble. But when you looked at the replay, it was iffy. It did not look like any Bills players were touching him at the time. So it, that was questionable to begin with. But, you know, I, I love a comeback story. I love when games get close, especially when you have – when you're not rooting for either team. It doesn't matter. It's just fun to watch. So then the Colts are driving. They get out of bounds. And I'm watching the clock, and I see when the guy got out of bounds, it looked like it was at 21 seconds, but they didn't stop the clock till 19. So I noted that in my head. I said, okay, didn't it look like they just shaved off two seconds? Okay, whatever. And then the officials went back to review 
the previous play and they said, please reset the game clock to 14 seconds. So what happened to those five to seven seconds? They just got rid of them. Time is just an illusion. We're in a time warp at the moment. So then the Colts ultimately just lost five to seven seconds. The Colts were not able to get it done. I would say the Bills were saved by the bell and the Colts were just, they were not able to score in time. The game clock ran out and that was that. But I was was curious about that because it almost seemed like they realized that they made a bad decision on that no fumble call and so then they tried to almost retaliate and take something away from the Colts but I definitely questioned it because people make mistakes but I don't don't know it was kind of blatant for both of those things there was there was a lot of heat about that on Twitter I don't know if there's a bigger fan base than the Bills Mafia they baptize their children in like Bills Mafia Bills outfits when they're born so this this Bills team and their fan base was okay with this call (laughs) they were gonna let this one slide (laughs) definitely the time but the bills were not happy about that no fumble call for sure oh no it it evened out it evened out ultimately and and who knows if the Colts would have been able to get it done but I I was just curious I mean maybe I'm wrong let us know if you notice the time clock thing because my dad and I both picked up on it and I'm just curious, and I tweeted it, and people did respond saying they noticed that too. So I'm just curious if anyone else noticed that, because I was just surprised that no one on the Colts sideline said something. I mean, this happened, I don't know if this is just a glitch, like, in our world, but this happened when the ball was dropping on New Year's. It was like 1201. It hadn't dropped yet. I don't know. I don't know. This is a conspiracy theory now. What? Maybe they just didn't pick up on it. It was like 12 o'clock and like 32 seconds or something like that. Okay, that's yeah. wild. Mm, I don't but know. I mean, every second counts when it's the fourth <laughs> quarter and you're trying to win a football game. Yes. So, yes. bummer. But ultimately, I mean, it was an excellent game. Both teams came to play. They looked great, both of them. The Bills ultimately pulled through. They are such a dominant team this year. Like I said last week, I think they are going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. We'll see if I'm right in a few weeks. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen is a huge, huge oh, yeah. part of this team. He accounted for, like, most of their total oh, yards he, he's in that just, game. And he's a god in Buffalo at this point. They, they love their Bills there, and they love their Josh Allen. Let's move on to the next game. Let's talk Rams-Seahawks. I did not think the Seahawks oh, were going to oh, lose at all. 30-20, to 20, the Rams took it home. I mean... This was the first big upset of wildcard weekend. The The Rams officially broke the Seahawks' string of 10 straight home playoff wins. That is huge. Yeah. Yes. That was – we had picked the Seahawks, I believe, last week. Yeah, we did. This was our first upset of the weekend, too. The Rams went into this with Jared Goff on the sidelines. Yep. But but their their defense really held Russell Wilson – there I mean 11 of 27 passing and sacking him five yeah I mean they had John Wolford starting in as quarterback at the beginning of the game which I think they hadn't made an official decision before game time and so people were some people were surprised not to see Jared Goff myself included and I know he was working through a thumb injury but John Wolford got injured early on in that game and Jared Goff had to come on out so I was wondering, I was I was not sure because obviously that was a decision by Sean McVay not to start Goff for a reason, but he ended up being able to pull through. So congrats to the Rams. Big win, especially because 
they're in the same division in the regular season. They're both in the NFC West. So that's a big rivalry. I'm sure it's a big deal for Rams fans. Mm-hmm. That was a huge one. I really wasn't expecting the Seahawks to lose there. I wasn't either. That's a huge I, upset. I mean, I'd love to see the Seahawks in the playoffs too. They're such an electric team. And Russell Wilson, I just love him as a person. Yeah. And I just, I, mean, I like to see him do well. He's a stand up guy. He seems like it. And they have those great uniforms. I love that electric green and that navy blue. It looks great. Especially, I live in Washington right now. So. It's Seahawks country out here. Definitely there were some unhappy campers at my office this week. That's the nature of the game, too. You, you like, it's so cliche, but you can't win them all. I mean, oh, give them I know. I was that. not the happiest camper this week either, but we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> we'll get there, Maddie. We'll get there. <laughs> all right. Bucks, Washington. Bucks copped oh. their first playoff win since 2002, 31 to 23. Washington's only won seven games this season. But the Bucks finished twelve and five. It was kind of a pretty obvious winner here again. Like uh, I thought I mean, for the Seahawks to win, but uh, this was like a sure. I pretty I was pretty sure about this win. I thought the Bucks were going to win too, but I mean they came out really strong, and then there it got Washington got it down to a two point deficit, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, wait, are the Bucks going to lose here? I was kind of nervous. And Tom Brady would never allow that. <laughs> no, he definitely would not, and he definitely did not. But Taylor Heineke really showed up. For, he was in for Alex Smith. He's their backup quarterback. And, and he really did prove himself. He showed up. He got so many tweets, so much love on Twitter from Pat Patrick Mahomes, Joe Theismann tweeted at him and so many more. This man was taking classes to get his master's degree in engineering. When he got the phone call, can you come be our quarantine quarterback? <laughs> Uh, how do you say no to that? Sorry, Professor So-and-so. I need to push my exams back because I need to go play in the playoffs super quick. And he made his second career start, and he threw for 306 yards and a touchdown and had a rushing touchdown. This kid was on fire. Absolutely. Second career start, and it's a playoff game. For a team that was 7-9 and nine and probably didn't even think they had a chance at the playoffs early on. Yeah, they were pretty plagued. Yeah, as a team I mean, absolutely. Season. Shout out to Taylor Heineke. Shout out to that whole Washington football team. Great effort. Ended up being the Bucks, but that's so cool for him. That's that's really an amazing performance, and also to get the recognition and get the love, and only play, only start as quarterback in an NFL game twice, and have it be on this huge stage where you're the only team playing on Saturday Night Football in the playoffs in January. That's a huge feat. And you were in your engineering class barely a month ago. I do have a fun fact, though. His 46 yards on the ground broke Joe Theismann's playoff record of 28 rushing yards by a quarterback, which was set almost 10 years before Taylor was born. That's so cool. I love that. Good for him. I love it. I love it. You, I love to see it. Also, we got to give Tom Brady some love. This was a different playoff scenario for him he's usually going in there as a division winner but he was going in the wild card this time for Tampa and not only was this his first time as a wild card but he also became the oldest player to throw a touchdown pass in the NFL postseason history by I think he broke that record by about two months like 50 some days which is super cool awesome that he's still out there and he's a dominant quarterback and he's 43 years old 
I will never get sick of Tom Brady and his success stories. But when's this guy gonna? When's this guy gonna retire? He's forty. At least one more year. He's yeah. Like, he's, he doesn't look like he's slowing down. That's yeah. the thing. I'm I'm I am curious to see what's gonna happen when he matches up with the Saints again because they did lose pretty convincingly twice this season to the Saints. So I, I'm curious to see if something else is going to happen in the playoffs, if it's going to be different. I don't know. I kind of think the Bucks are going to pull off the win against the Saints this coming weekend because they have everything to lose. They've lost to this team in crushing losses twice this season. And I mean, everyone's talking about the Tom Brady-Drew Brees matchup. Even the two of them on Twitter posted a hilarious picture of both of them with beards and wrinkles. And it's just talking about their ages because they're both in their 40s. But I think the Bucks are going to redeem themselves and knock the Saints out of the playoffs. I really do. That's my prediction for this coming weekend. I think I'm going to agree with you because I feel like Tom Brady has come out. He's won the Super Bowl ring. He has all that. What is he in Tampa Bay for? He's in Tampa Bay to make history. He's done it all before. He's, this guy's 43 years old and he's still breaking records. He wants to bring home a Super Bowl championship title to Tampa Bay. And he wants to do it in dramatic fashion. So I think they are going to pull out a win against the Saints. And I th- because I think he wants to make it break another record. Also, I'm sure that entire team has a huge chip on their shoulders because they're division rivals and they weren't able to beat the Saints twice this season. Oh, yeah. Let's see. I'm excited for that one. All right. The next game. Another rivalry. These aren't division rivals, but the Ravens and the Titans. They've had some beef because they played each other last year in the divisional round of the playoffs. Lamar Jackson picked up his first postseason when he's been longing for this. The Ravens beat the Titans 20-13. to This was a memorable game for Lamar Jackson. This was a great game to watch. And one of the most surprising things I thought watching it was they were able to stop Derrick Henry. He has been an absolute force to be reckoned with this entire NFL season. And... This is the first team that I've seen really be able to stop him. And it's even more interesting because the Ravens lost to the Titans earlier this season in overtime. So I'm sure that they were super stoked about what they did and how they performed this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I want to bring it back to Lamar Jackson just because he is the player to watch in that game. The play of the day was his 48-yard touchdown. Maddie, there's no way you could have missed it. He stepped up, collapsed the pocket, and bolted. He just, like, the wheels on this guy, unbelievable. He was starving for the end zone. After the game, they interviewed Lamar Jackson, and someone asked him about the Lamar versus Derrick Henry rivalry, and he said, we play different positions. It's not about that. It's about the team winning. And I thought that was interesting because – Sometimes you almost forget that Lamar Jackson does not play running back. He plays quarterback. He's just that good at running and making plays happen on his feet. Such a versatile athlete. That's really what you need. Yeah, for real. And also, he just is coming off this massive high of winning his first postseason game. So he had every reason to talk down, to talk smack, but he did not. 
He was skipping into the tunnel, into the locker room at the end of that game. I don't even think the game clock had fully run out yet because they took a knee. But he was skipping into the tunnel, and then he ran back out and went out for his interview. But it was just totally a celebration for the Ravens. So awesome for them. He's got some swagger, that guy. He really does. And also, there was so much swagger. On Nickelodeon. Two words. Slime cannons. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna say this was so unique and such an incredible watching experience. I thought it was cool, and I'm 23 years old, so I cannot even imagine how cool I would have thought it was if I was eight. But it was such a unique, creative way to integrate children into the game of football. I think I wish that this would have been a collab between the NFL and Nickelodeon when I was a kid. Because I think it would have gotten me interested so much earlier. I thought that the hosts did an incredible job explaining things in a way that kids would be able to understand them. They made a lot of great analogies. It was fun. It was action-packed. In the breaks, they had entertainment. They had a 14-year-old sideline reporter who did an awesome job. It It was just an overall fun game to watch. And not even because of what was happening on the field. The Saints and the Bears both played their hearts out. But, I mean, it wasn't a super high-scoring game Especially not on Chicago's side. They only scored three points until I think the last five seconds of regulation. So it wasn't, it was, it was really dominated by the Saints, but definitely Nickelodeon kept it interesting. Yeah. And it's such a bummer because I really wanted to watch it with my nieces on Nickelodeon. And this is the one pitfall. I couldn't get Nickelodeon anywhere. I didn't know where to find it. So I had to watch on my like <laughs> Twitter stream of, Oh, the slime cannons. And I was just watching on CBS like, oh, man, I, was, I felt like I couldn't get into the club. I was I like, know, oh, you were so damn. sad. I want to so be watching sad. on Nick. I was texting. I, was I know. Like, I, I honestly felt bad. I was like, I wish I could trade you my TV because I think your nieces would get so much more <laughs> out of this right now, even though I got a lot out of it. I think if you have kids, if they do another game on Nickelodeon, definitely watch it with them. I think it's an awesome way for families to get together and bond over a topic. And it kind of, it, it paints this one thing in a light that is just appealing to so many different age groups and people from so many different backgrounds. So awesome job. I'm super excited that they were able to pull that collab off and make it so entertaining for people watching. And I definitely think it's a start of something beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Huge marketing idea right there. I mean, I think it would have been a lot better if it was the next game. And it was Nickelodeon version. No, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because we just would have seen the slime cannons a lot more. Let's just get right into it. Maddie's going to pop off. I'm just going to take a seat. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I need to take take a deep breath. Okay. As we all know, the Browns beat the Steelers. A historic win for the Browns, but a very upsetting win for Steelers fan, Matty Brown. For every Steelers fan. I think this game was the definition of an upset. The Steelers were favored, and they did not look like it on the field. Let's get into it. It was a very brutal first half for for your Ben. It was a brutal first half for everyone. Uh, I had my Steelers gear on. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm just ready to go. I'm zoning in. My boyfriend knows. We don't talk about other things during the Steeler game. I am zoned in. I am focused. I need to watch every second. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Super, superstitious. Um, Super superstitious. The first play of the game. 
Pittsburgh Steelers get the ball deep in their own territory. Marquise Pouncey, our Pro Bowl center, snaps the ball far over the head of starting quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. I think Ben Roethlisberger's reaction to that snap mirrored everyone's reaction in Pittsburgh because my jaw hit the floor. Ben turned around almost in slow motion because I don't think he quite registered that it was happening. And then James Conner starts running towards the ball. Ben's running towards the ball. The ball is just rolling away towards the end zone. And then the whole Browns defensive line runs past our starting quarterback and starting running back, grabs the ball, runs it into the end zone, touchdown Browns. There wasn't even five seconds off the clock, I don't think. And that is how that game started. So not a great note, 7-0 Browns. They, they have so much time left that it happened so quick. The offense already gets to get back on the field. No complaints here. It's fine. My boy, Big Ben, love you. I will talk about that in a little bit, but he threw an interception, another touchdown, 14-0 Browns, and it did not get better. As much as I wanted it to, it did not get better. First half ended, 35-10 Browns. Stairs were down by 25 at halftime. I was not thinking that they could have come back because when you're watching a team pretty much make every mistake possible in the first half... You don't have very high expectations for the second half. Congrats to the Browns. It's They did win, and they absolutely deserved to win. They were the better team that night on the field, but it almost felt like the Steelers just beat themselves and just did so many things to hand the Browns points. Really, it did. And it was so hard to watch as a Steelers fan. I think everyone in Pittsburgh probably feels the way I do. It was heartbreaking. I think they're still holding their breath in Pittsburgh. It, it, was a, it was heartbreaking. But I will say I was so proud of how that team played in the second half. They really turned it on when they needed to, and they put points on the board. And I actually thought, okay, wait, there's a chance here. They could win. The biggest comeback of the season, of the playoffs. I, I, of history, I was thinking. But – Here's here's the turning point for me. It was fourth and one. The Steelers had just scored, I think, on their last two drives, and it's fourth and one. The coaches made the decision to punt. Tomlin said he thought the defense could make the stop, but I think it really just turned the tide. I think you needed to keep going. And Tomlin actually said earlier this season, if you can't get a yard, you don't deserve to win. And I was just hearing that echoing in my brain when he chose not to try for one yard. This is the playoffs. You only get one chance. This is one of your biggest rivals in football. You don't trust your team enough to get one yard on fourth down. If you don't get it, trust your defense. You know, yes, you're a very disgruntled fan. But let's just take a look at the Browns for just a quick second and then I'll stop. This is their first playoff win in almost 30 years. I will add to that, Chase Claypool clapped back at the end there, and he said, okay, the Browns, they won this one, but they are not going to win against Kansas City. What do you think? I think it is the opinion of most people. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. One fun fact I do want to add about this game, though, is it was the most watched primetime show since Super the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54 in February. 25 million viewers so, for this game. That's huge. That tells me that even the non-sports fan was tuning in because so 20, it was such an exhilarating game. 
25 million viewers watch the Steelers shit the bed in the postseason. 25 million viewers. And and you could argue that half of them they were Steelers fans and they were they were holding on to their I, rosaries. I, <laughs> I'm just okay. praying. So I talked a lot about the offense. I will say Chase Claypool had two touchdowns. Juju looked awesome. He had, I think, like 159 receiving yards. They really looked good in the second half, but the thing is you cannot just play one half of football and expect to win games. The Browns played the full 60 minutes, and the Steelers just did not show up until the second quarter, and not even too much then. I think they just accepted the defeat, and were like, let's just, this is it. We're not going to pull it out. We don't want it. We just want to go home at this point. Like, we, they've been embarrassed. They, they I mean, didn't, it looked like that in the first quarter, but it. in the second half, there was so much more energy, and I really thought they were going to do something, but they did something. They just couldn't pull it off. And I, I don't know. I was just disappointed all around by the coaching, by the execution. They, they have so much talent. They just did not execute it. It was, it was honestly one of the worst starts to any sporting event I've ever seen in my life. All right. I just want to take a quick um, measure of your blood pressure after that. <laughs> Just see where it is before um, we move on. <laughs> yes. Before we move on, though, I do have a couple of future thoughts. Some okay. hot takes, if you will. Let's hear it. There are a lot of things that need to be addressed in this offseason. It has been announced that that I Pouncey, I think, is going to retire. I did read that he he plans to retire. So that that's heartbreaking. And also, we don't know where Ben's future lies with the Steelers. Now, there is the talk of, is Ben going to come back? He does have another year on his contract. There, there hasn't been a decision. He says he's thinking about it. But I will say, Ben Roethlisberger is the quarterback that made me fall in love with football. And growing up, I, I was lucky enough to see my the team that I love and I root for go to the Super Bowl three times. There's been so many amazing things that have happened because of Ben Roethlisberger and what he's brought to the city of Pittsburgh and what he's brought to this team. And he's just really created such an amazing legacy. If, if anyone from Pittsburgh is listening to this, I, I hope you'd agree with me, but I really just think that I want to say thank you. The city of Pittsburgh is just so forever grateful for Ben Roethlisberger and everything that he's done. I mean, whatever he decides to do, I'm just I'm just so lucky to have been able to watch a team that has had so much talent and has made it to championships because not everyone gets that. And and I'm lucky to be part of a fan base that gets to root for a team that has six Super Bowls. So, yeah, I mean, Maddie, some people grow up as Jets fans. Or Browns fans. Oh, or Lions fans. Okay. No okay. shade. Just like hella respect to those fans that we just listed. Yeah, you know what? We'll give it to Cleveland this week because they had an upset in a different area. So we'll let them have this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, we'll Can it, we we'll agree on that, Maddie? <laughs> so, so okay. for a all right, all right. She'll let him have it. I will say this had me thinking about the Steelers head coach. And Mike Tomlin has had an incredible career as the Steelers coach. He's never had a losing season. But this did get me thinking that as a fan, I don't really think it matters what your record is in the regular season if you can't win in big games when it matters. And I just feel like the last few playoff games that Tomlin has coached the Steelers for, they've lost. I, I just think that is something that, that people need to think about. You can have a massive, in any sport too, this can cross all sports. You can have the best season of your life. That last game, if it's a loss, you're out. It's done. No one's going to remember you as the team that won all the games that season, this team that went almost undefeated, they're going to remember the team that won the national championship. I, I don't really care as a fan if the head coach has had a losing season or not. I'd rather him go 0-16 and then coach 
the Steelers to a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I don't really care what the regular season record is if they're not making the playoffs and if they're not winning when they get into the playoffs. I mean, you also have to have a hugely dedicated, like a massively dedicated fan base to have amazing records in the regular season and then not be able to do it in big games. That 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 is a dedicated group of people. It, it is disappointing because it's almost like, well, who, who really cares that the Steelers – won 11 games straight it's like watching game of thrones like you commit to like years of game of thrones and then you get to the last season and you're like that wasn't that good but you get to the end and it's like oh really i i just i think that there are ne- there needs to be some things addressed yeah. because if, if a team cannot win when it matters something's wrong and it not to say that it was tomlin's fault yeah it it, it was everyone's fault there was a lot that went wrong but I think that that is a question that maybe Tomlin should ask himself. What's going wrong here? Why am I not coaching my team in the postseason the way that I'm coaching them for the first half of the regular season? It is time for a commercial break. Let's take a little break. All right, Maddie. I think it's time to take a trip to Miami. Alabama, Ohio State. Nobody – I mean, I predicted Ohio State was going to win this one just because I wanted to see it happen. But Alabama – came out on top as they usually do 52 to 24 coach Saban's seventh title that's a record I said this was huge I thought Alabama was gonna win because they've looked so unstoppable this season and that is exactly what they were unstoppable they had two players yep with three touchdowns that's a feat for one player they had two players do it Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, and not to mention that Devontae Smith got injured. He had three touchdowns and he didn't even play the full game. He racked up so many records, so many accolades before halftime. That's like unheard of. By halftime, he had 12 catches for 215 yards, three touchdowns, broke three SEC career records, set multiple different records in championship games, set a school bowl record. I could go on, but I don't have the time. And, and he won the Heisman just a couple days ago. He probably enjoyed breaking in hard rock a little bit because he's probably going to be with those Dolphins next season. No big deal. He won the Heisman. And and also, Alabama had three of the top five Heisman candidates this year, which is just a feat in its own. It's amazing to have one player be a finalist for the Heisman because it's just such a prestigious award. But to have three who play on the same team, that's absolutely unheard of. The recruiting at Alabama is just unbelievable. To have a class like this, to have a team like this. Nick Saban said this may have been one of the best teams he's ever coached at Alabama. Oh, it's clear. This is this is a great team here. I mean, let's talk about Najee Harris for a minute. He bulldozed through Ohio State's defense with just grit and passion. He weaved his way through huge defenders and just found his way to the end zone three times Maddie what do you think about Tua Smith and Harris all from Alabama all probably going to be playing together again next year a little reunion at, at Hard Rock roll tide roll in South Florida baby the tide is rising in South Florida and there's dolphins swimming in it I'm not a hugely biased football fan I inherited the Giants bug from my family, but I really like this Dolphins team. I really like where they're heading. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because I went to Miami there. 
I think I think you're right though. I think that they are headed in a really good direction and they have a lot of young talent and they have the ability to grow that talent. So I'm excited to see they were they just missed the playoffs. They barely they were almost yeah. they were so close. They were so close to the playoffs this season and they were not able to get in. But I don't think it's going to be the last time. Hey, roll tide. Roll tide. Roll tide, roll, baby. A lot of those players are no strangers to championships, so maybe they'll bring some of that energy into South Florida. Maddie, Mac Jones, Heisman finalist, orchestrated the whole thing here. Oh, yeah. On Monday night. He threw for 464 yards, broke Joe Burrow's record, tied him in passing touchdowns for five. In 2015, this is a fun fact, he slid into a recruiting site's DMs hoping to get some help back when he was in high school and now he is a national champion that's a really fun fact that's honestly so cute how cute is that this little i don't want to say little but he's like six feet tall and like 200 pounds maybe 175 pounds something like that he wasn't a little kid but he was he's definitely matured and now he is at the top i think that's a great example of just it's okay to ask for help. Everyone needs help at some point. And he asked for help and now look at him. So it's it's not, you don't have to get somewhere all on your own. You can use resources available to you and look at him now. I'm sure he's so happy that he did that. You're right. Ask for help when you need it. I ask for help all the time. I don't know what I'm doing ever. <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> I always ask for help. I'm not ashamed of it. SOS. Yeah. I'm sure you do too, Maddie. Do SOS. It. We'll get to the top of it. We'll be there. We'll, we'll meet him at the top. We'll meet him at the top. All right. Let's totally not belittle Ohio State's offense. Justin Fields, did he put up a fight? Let's talk about his last two seasons as a Buckeye. Heisman finalist himself in 2019. Sugar Bowl MVP this year. Big Ten Championship MVP in 2019. Two college football playoff appearances in his two seasons. 20-2 and two career record. Oh, it wasn't like they were up against nothing. Yeah, that's all casual. I mean, you know, casual. All of those things are huge major life accomplishments, but just put it all in one for Justin Fields. Right. And I mean, losing Trey Sermon was a huge blow. Huge blow. They were really plagued. Even if this Ohio State team had it all down, every single player was playing to the best of their ability, which they were. No injuries. No nothing. They came out to win. I don't even know if they could still barrel past this Alabama team after seeing what they can do. I think you said it best. You called Alabama a pseudo-NFL team last week, and I think last night was a perfect example of that. They are just miles ahead of every other college team, it seems. Ohio State played a great game, and Alabama didn't even make it look like that. They beat them by 18 points. Yeah, Alabama did not even let them have the underdog mm-hmm. story because they were just like, how do you even talk about Ohio State when I Alabama know, played I know. like that? But I have, a, I have a question for you. Let's hear it. So so we talked about Trey Sermon, huge asset for Ohio State, lost him early. He got injured early on in that national championship. And, and my mom actually brought this point up to me, and I thought it was very interesting. So I want to know your take on this. Ohio State only played seven games before this national championship game. Alabama played 12. We saw Ohio State against probably its biggest opponent, probably its highest ranked opponent of the whole season, Clemson. 
last week. We saw them play Clemson. That was a physical game. Ohio State was getting beaten down. Clemson is a physical team. They pulled through with a huge win. But did they not play enough really good physical teams in this season? And do you think that that played a role in having two weeks back-to-back of these physical just dominant teams on the field. Do you think that it played a role in injuries and just kind of wearing them down because they didn't have the ability to play as many games as their opponents? They didn't get to kind of shake off some of those injuries early in the season. They didn't get to come back from injuries. They didn't get to feel that physicality and recover from it during the regular season as much as the Tide did. I somewhat agree with you there. There's definitely a discrepancy in the number of games played. But this whole this Ohio State team, they're pretty ruthless. They're pretty dangerous. You can't go undefeated in, in any number of games and not be. I feel like injuries are just, I mean, you can kind of prepare and like see what you're working against, but I think they were prepared for it. You can't predict an injury. You can only try to prevent them. So it's hard to say that had they played more games with more aggressive teams, because they play, they, they, they put off some, but they put up some big fights with some big teams. How do you, how do you prepare for an Alabama game? Like I, like we were saying, it's like an NFL team. Do you think that maybe the first six games of their season were like running a five k, and then they played Clemson, and that was a half marathon, and they're in great shape, so they were able to plow through that half marathon. But then just one week later, they had to run a marathon, and that's Alabama. And they just could not make it through all 26.2 miles. That's that's what I think. I mean, it's it's not that they weren't that you're they were preparing for injuries, but I think just the endurance and the ability to keep up with such a physical team, they didn't get as much practice as other teams did. All right. Well, when you put it like that, it makes me think about it actually a little bit differently. But also, Ohio State, Clemson, put any team up against Alabama, and I don't think they were going to win. No matter how many games they played, I think that this Alabama team was so hot. Like we were saying before, this was probably the best recruit, recruiting class. Um, I don't know if anybody would be able to do it. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe it would have been a little less ugly than it was on Monday, but I don't know if anybody could could do this marathon this time. I know. I I, I think it's that's a really good point. That, that Crimson Tide team came to win. And they were not leaving without another national title. And they did just that. They wanted this bad. But let's talk about something a little different. On Monday in Alabama, Maddie, the, there were probably about 5,000 people in the streets. I'm sure you've seen this online. Let's talk about this. Oh, yes. Because huge celebration, huge win. They love it, whatever. 14 people. This is so dark now. 14 people got arrested the VP of student life at Alabama was telling, she sent out a thing urging people to not do that. And there was a whole, it was a whole thing because I don't know if people are forgetting this, but we are in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) What do you think? I, you just said it. We're in the middle of a pandemic. It's awesome. Celebrate with your roommates, your best friends, watch the game, but there's a reason that the stadiums are not completely full. So to bring all your fans into one place, even if you're outside, 
probably not the brightest move. I hope everyone's okay. I would just say, keep in mind, it, it's a once in a lifetime thing. If, if you're, you're Alabama, Alabama the national title is not once in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. If yeah. you're Alabama, you've been through this before. It's cool. It's awesome. I have not gotten a chance as an adult to see my college team win a national championship. I'm sure it's an incredible feeling, but yeah, public health is still a thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to say, I don't want to tell people what to do or judge people for doing something, but all I'm going to say is I would not have been out there doing that. I would have been very excited. I would not have been doing that. They were all touching and they were so close. And I was thinking, what the heck? Like this, it looked like one of those pre-COVID videos. It's, I don't know. Do you feel, do you feel like sometimes even watching TV or watching movies, I I have this for almost like backwards deja vu where I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, no, they're touching. They're so close. They're gathering. And then I'm like, oh wait, this this was okay when this was filmed. Or when they walk into a store and they don't have a mask on, I'm like, wait, shouldn't, oh no. Yes. Yes. And I mean, I so I celebrate so, in a safe way. I so desire to go back to normal and do things, but it's just not the time. Me too. It's, that's it's just No, I mean, celebrate in a way that follows your local public health guidelines. All right, let's take it home, Maddie. This is such a football episode. It is a very football episode. It's a football episode, but for our listeners, who likes sports other than football. We're going to get there. We're going to get to all these sports. Football is wrapping up and it's heating up right now. So this is just what's happening. Yeah. yeah football's on like medium high heat right now and it's about to like burn. So Ooh, that was good. <laughs> we'll let this simmer down soon and then we'll get into basketball. Hockey's coming. Charlotte's so excited about baseball. Oh my God. I cannot wait. If you've listened this far, thank you so much. Let's close it out with Aaron Rodgers. He is killing it on the field, off the field as well. If you listened last week or if you don't live under a rock, you've heard about the Barstool Fund. Aaron Rodgers just pledged half a million dollars to the Barstool Fund, which is now north of $22 million in donations. So just to put that into perspective, Aaron Rodgers donated. He's responsible for more than 2% of the entire Barstool Fund at the time of recording this. That's like filling Yankee Stadium over 400 times. That's how much money is in the Barstool Fund. He's donated like nine Yankee Stadiums out of 405 Yankee Stadiums. I don't know why I'm trying to do math here. I don't know why we're doing math. Please never make us do math again. Um, but it's a lot of money. Aaron Rodgers donated a lot of money to a lot of small businesses. That's that's the best part about this. So yes, he's he's making a huge impact on the Barstool Fund, but all of that money is going to small businesses. And that's what's so awesome because the people that are donating have the money to donate. So props to Dave Portnoy. Shout out to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is just on a roll right now. He's also doing some other things. What is he doing, Charlotte? He is going to guest host on Jeopardy. How cool is that? He loves the show. He was a contestant um, in 2015 for like their celebrity edition. And I think that's so cool that he gets to come in in this year of Jeopardy. That's so sad. <laughs> I know. Rest I in agree. peace to Alex Trebek. But yes. he's going to come in and try to make it a little fun. <laughs> I love Aaron Rodgers and I I'm I was salty towards Aaron Rodgers because he beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl 
but I have really come to love him. Shout out Pat McAfee for fostering my love for Aaron Rodgers. That's where he um, announced the, the Jeopardy thing. And he said, Aaron Rodgers was like, I don't know if this was premature, if I wasn't supposed to announce this, but I was so excited about it. I had to do it on this show. I know. It's Aaron, it was Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. It was Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. They had to. He, he just really seems like a stand-up guy all around. He's the best. All right. I have a hot take about Aaron Rodgers, and I don't mean to negate all the great charitable work that all of these nominees have put forward this year. But the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is this one of the most prestigious awards in the NFL because it shows that you're more than just an athlete. And that's what it's all about. I think Aaron Rodgers should at least like be in the running for this. I mean, the nominations are pretty solid this year. You've got Travis Kelsey's probably going to take this one. But the last time that a Green Bay Packer has won this was in its inaugural year in 1969. Bart Starr won it back when it was called the Gladiator Award. I just think that he has he's so commonly matched donations to extremely important organizations. He's donated millions and millions of his earnings and so much of his time throughout his really long career. He's really passionate about the wildfires and, and helping people in California where he's from. I think that this guy is stand up and he deserves to be recognized in a different way off the field. He seems so down to earth. And I, I agree. I think that he definitely should be recognized for all the things that he's done and everything that he's contributed to people and society and just people who need it. And definitely, like you said, everyone who's nominated is so deserving and so incredible. And I'm sure there's so many other people that we're not talking about right now that also deserve to be in the conversation. Right. But it, it's just nice to see someone who, who so many people look up to and has so much talent and is in that spotlight. I think he's going to win MVP this year, but it's awesome to see him giving back. Well, we've officially talked all the football there is possible to talk about. Next week, we'll get into hockey. So that'll be really fun. So until then, if your team's already played and they won, enjoy being undefeated while it lasts because my team is 0-1. So yeah, next week we're going to break the ice with some hockey talk.